This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Ray and Vort Lourdes, today a visit from a top national Republican. Ron DeSantis came here today to deliver a speech filled with conservative red meat. Today in Elmhurst, 2024 is in the air. The reason why you have crime that is spiraled out of control in so many of these different areas is because you have politicians putting woke ideology ahead of public safety. That is a report from local television media in Chicago on Monday afternoon covering Ron DeSantis' visit to the city. Of course, Ron DeSantis isn't the mayor of Chicago, although they do have an election coming up. And Ron DeSantis isn't a candidate for president. For right now, he's just a guy. A guy who looks a lot like he's running for president while very much still being the governor of Florida. Of course, if he were to run for president, he'd currently be running second to former President Donald Trump, who has announced his candidacy to run for president again. Yet the nascent war between the two is still one-sided. Trump rails against his one-time ally. DeSantis desists from responding. After all, why would he? He's just a guy. Meanwhile, the administration they seek to unseat is in Europe, touting their greatest achievement, the defense of Ukraine and solidarity with our NATO neighbors across the pond. All the while, members of our Senate spread across the globe in several congressional member delegation trips, or as they're commonly known, codal trips. Or if you were going to sing it with auto-tune... Codal trips, codal trips. You ever see that video? Damn, you gotta see that video. Men of a certain age have seen this video, and I'm one of those men. My name is Justin Robert Young. This is Politics, Politics, Politics. But first. You know, every time I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this show more professional. <laughs> I want this to spread around the highest echelons of media and politics. Also me. Call on me sounds like codal trips. I wonder if I could spend the first four hours of my day figuring out how auto-tune works. Anyway, here's the rest of the news from the GOP primary. Former Vice President Mike Pence will also be hitting up law enforcement issues at a roundtable in Charleston, South Carolina next week. Tim Scott is going to head to Iowa. New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu is reportedly eyeing a quote-unquote normal lane to run a presidential campaign. Nikki Haley's polls have risen from two percentage points to five percentage points. Are we done? Are we good? Are we good with the rest of them? Okay. Announce and maybe I'll give you guys more time. Nikki, I know you announced. I'm sorry. But still, come on. Get over 10% and then then, then we'll actually talk. We're going to talk about the rest of them. Besides, we've already done like two Nikki Haley themed episodes. It's enough Nikki Haley themed episodes until she gets over 10%. Okay. Let's get in to the real work. This is what you would call a shadow or whisper campaign. Ron DeSantis 
earlier this week in not only Chicago, but also New York and Philly. And in each of those cities, he is talking to the police, most specifically the Fraternal Order of Police, an organization that backed Donald Trump not only in 2016, but also in 2020. He then used that opportunity to go on Fox News so he could take a swipe at Joe Biden, who made a surprise trip to Kiev, Ukraine. Quote, while he's over there, I think I and many Americans are thinking to ourselves, okay, he's very concerned about those borders halfway around the world. He's not done anything to secure our own borders here at home. Unquote. Ron DeSantis taking a shot at Joe Biden isn't anything new. It obviously is something more in the forefront of people's minds when he's doing it in a state that is not Florida. For the record, file this in your memory banks here. All three of those events were held by a 501c4 called And to the Republic, which, according to Politico, is helping DeSantis go national. And I bring all that up because that's pretty much all the DeSantis news that we have. So I can talk about the reaction to the DeSantis news coming from Donald Trump, who is not attacking the other person who has announced her candidacy for the presidency in the Republican Party, Nikki Haley. Indeed, we're going to go a lot into truth social today, but in a truth by Donald Trump, he agreed with Nikki Haley's signature position thus far that presidential candidates and politicians in general over the age of 75 should pass mental cognition tests. Not pushing back like Bernie Sanders did this week. No, no, no. Donald Trump is attacking somebody who is not in this race just yet, Ron DeSantis. Now, there is some good news. For Trump, because I do think he's had a good week. He's had a good polling week. And he is not exclusively talking about his most public failure all the time anymore. The 2020 election. No, he's splitting his time the way he probably should. Shredding the Biden administration and his top rival, Ron DeSantis. He still hasn't quite found a sweet spot for DeSantis, though. He offers a range of options for reasons that his MAGA faithful should not support Ron. The initial line of attack that he offered was that DeSantis shut down Florida. And that's still there. He mentions, he really, really is into mentioning that Ron DeSantis closed down the beaches, which I guess in hindsight does look pretty ridiculous. But still, they weren't closed for that long. And he opened them up at a time when people were protesting by wearing Grim Reaper outfits because they thought it was going to be so dangerous. Higher up these days is a laundry list of MAGA repulsive characters that either support him or DeSantis allegedly supports. Here are the list of people who support him, according to Trump. The Club for Growth, the Koch Brother Machine, and the Lincoln Project. Or, if you're reading True Social, the globalist club for no growth, the uninspired Cokes, and the Lincoln Pervert Project. Now, the club for growth, which is a Trump frenemy, and some conservative PACs funded either in part or in full by the Cokes, will 
almost undoubtedly support DeSantis when he officially jumps in this race. They all supported Trump at some point as well. And yet, as of now, there is no signal that the Lincoln Project would uh, back the Florida governor. They seem to have long ago realized that they are these days a traditional Democratic pack and now enthusiastically salute Joe Biden on his leadership of Ukraine, criticize Kevin McCarthy, and revere the true honor of Liz Cheney, of House Cheney. Although, without a doubt, regardless of your politics, we can all agree that the founders of the Lincoln Project are indeed grifting perverts or pervert enablers. But I digress. Trump also likes to attack that DeSantis has lauded in the past or currently Carl Rove, who has become a MAGA boogeyman, Paul Ryan, and the long-vanquished 2016 nemesis, low-energy Jeb Bush. I just kind of feel like Trump likes saying the name or typing the name Jeb Bush. I'll bet you just gives him good vibes. Because I did do a deep dive through Trump's truths for this episode, I do have to say that there is still a little bit of that surrealistic magic that you can find if you dare go through them. You know, stuff like talking about what a good dog, the dog that helped kill Bin Laden was, you know, stuff like that. Just weird stuff that pops out of that man's head. Here's one. Let me read this to you. Bill Maher has been badly hurt, not just for his poor ratings on HBO, but his epic failure on fake news CNN. He is mortally wounded, but he has always proven himself to be a survivor. Will be interesting to see what happens next to this shell of a man. (laughs) The most worrying thing for Trump that I can report from deep behind truth social lines is that, again, he's chasing DeSantis. He's not leading the story. And when he does lead the story, he's not capitalizing it in the same way that I think he could. For example, I believe Donald Trump's 2024 campaign made their first really, really good tactical decision over the last week. He made an announcement that he was going to visit East Palestine. Now, there is bipartisan criticism of the Biden administration for not having more of a robust federal effort in that town that had the horrific train derailment. Biden is out of the country, therefore highlighting Trump's America first narrative. And Biden blinked. At least Trump will say he blinked. FEMA announced after the Trump announcement that they would provide federal assistance after some hemming and hawing. Not only that, but they got Mayor Pete to say some things. Mayor Pete, as soon as this became a politics thing, Mayor Pete can now chime up and attack Donald Trump because under his administration, they sided with the railroad companies, which is kind of rich for the administration that just stopped a strike in favor of the railroad companies. My point is this. East Palestine and Biden's inaction on it should be the only thing that Donald Trump is talking about this week. He should be taunting Biden and, in my opinion, looking past DeSantis. Because I, I, I don't know. And and look, he's he got elected president when a lot of people, including myself, said he couldn't do it. So I, I guess I have to defer to his 
instincts. Although the last time he ran for president, he lost. But if I were him, there's no reason to fight with Ron DeSantis. You should say, look, I'm going to be the guy. I'm not in love with the fact that you're running because that is a disloyal thing. And I'm very much a big loyalty guy. But this is my show. And the reason why it's my show is because I do stuff like this. I make things happen when they are not even in my purview. I announced I was going to a town and they got stuff. So take a seat, run out your term in Florida, and maybe, maybe you'll have a chance in four years. But he's not. Because half the time that, in my opinion, he should be spending the full time talking about the failure of the Biden administration in this situation where, again, bipartisan criticism for their federal response, he's trolling DeSantis, pointing out a good poll and criticizing a DeSantis crowd at a daytime invite-only event. The play here, best I can tell, is to smother a DeSantis 24 run in the crib. The danger with that strategy is that if you fail to totally cripple the dude's campaign immediately before he announces, you've already used some of your best material and it's not going to be new. It may not be effective, but it won't be new. Furthermore, when DeSantis does announce and turns his fire to Trump, he can rightly say to anybody that's been paying attention, including Trump faithful who are Ron curious, that look, the old dog's taking his best shots. And, well, he couldn't do it. Just like he couldn't do it with old Joe back in 2020. One arrow that the Florida governor won't have to worry about is the nickname Meatball Ron. Maggie Haberman in the New York Times reported that that was the nickname being tested to replace the uninspiring Ron DeSanctimonious. But Trump said in a truth that that would be inappropriate to say Meatball, which I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's because... Ron DeSantis is Italian, so he didn't want to call an Italian guy a meatball, which is interesting. I don't know. I, I don't really know where, where the logic comes in for him. Anyway, here's again why I believe Trump is chasing DeSantis. After DeSantis was out talking to the fraternal order of the police, Trump released the following on Truth Social and Rumble. Joe Biden and the defund the police Democrats have turned our once great cities into cesspools of bloodshed and crime. There's never been anything like it. Here's my plan to restore law and order in our cities and throughout our country, frankly. First, because police forces have been gutted by Democrats' war on police, I will sign a record investment in hiring, retention, and training for police officers nationwide, so important. This bill will also increase vital liability protections for officers because the Democrats want to take those protections away from our police because we want them to do their jobs and we want them to do their jobs right. You can't take their protections away if you're going to have them do their jobs properly. Second, to qualify for this new funding and all other Justice Department grants, 
I will insist that local jurisdictions return to proven common-sense policing measures such as stop and frisk. Very simple. You stop them and you frisk them. Strictly enforcing existing gun laws against convicted felons, cracking down on the open use of illegal drugs, and cooperating with ICE to get criminal aliens off our streets and get them out of our country. Third, we will go after the radical Marxist prosecutors who are abolishing cash bail, refusing to charge crimes, and surrendering our cities to violent criminals. They have surrendered like never before. I will direct the DOJ to open civil rights investigations into radical left prosecutors' offices, such as those in Chicago, L.A., and San Francisco, to determine whether they have illegally engaged in race-based enforcement of the law. I will also work with Congress to give the victims of their Marxist policies the right to sue local officials for harm and suffering, and it has been great that they have caused. If your small business is pillaged because shoplifting goes unpunished, if you're brutally attacked by a violent felon released without bail or bond, then you will be entitled to massive damages. Fourth, I will order the Department of Justice, or some people call it the Department of Injustice. Okay, right we're going to stop that right now. Uh, it goes for five minutes. It's a five-minute video. But I don't understand why well, he's not doing these in front of crowds. All the videos that he's done like this look the same. They're all very muted. To be totally honest, it reminds me of Haida Biden back in 2020. It's the same two-crammer shoot designed for Trump to riff on the subject and be able to reset if he flubs a word so the editors can cut around it. And more than that, they're on Rumble. This is a website designed as a conservative alternative to YouTube that currently has an effective monopoly on Trump content between that and truth. This is almost assuredly the most watched content on the platform. For context, videos like Hogwarts Legacy is somehow based and cringe clocks in at 9,000 views on Rumble. And that's on the front page. At the time of this podcast, that video has 150,000 views. Not terrible, but it's a fingernail of the viewership that he used to have when he was on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Platforms that he either has back or allegedly will get back. But I don't know why he's not on Twitter, which he now has access to. Beyond that, he shouldn't be making these videos. I'll repeat again. He should be saying these things in front of crowds. His live crowds are something that few politicians in the last 50 years can beat. They're a harvest of personal data, emails, and phone numbers. It is unproven if Ron DeSantis outside of Florida can match his crowd enthusiasm. And he should be setting that baseline now before DeSantis even announces because it will always be a point of pride. Because if it isn't, that man is really in trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this program. If you would like bonus episodes every Sunday and Thursday, you can head on over to our Patreon. Take politics seriously. Sign up at the $3 tier for the price of a cup of coffee each and every week. 
you get two bonus episodes of this show. But let me give you guys some quick hits that we were not able to cover in this episode. Senator Rick Scott of Florida is amending his plan, controversial though it was, that would sunset all federal programs, including Medicare and Social Security, for reauthorization to now exclude Medicare and Social Security. When Biden was during was on during his State of the Union and he was saying that some Republicans want to sunset Medicare and Social Security, this was the plan that he was talking about. Mitch McConnell has hated it from the moment that Rick Scott wrote it. Rick Scott tried to unseat Mitch McConnell unsuccessfully. Now, that line, useless though it was, an in-kind donation to the Democrats though it was, is gone. The Republican Party will formally require all presidential contenders to pledge support to the eventual nominee if they want to debate. There will also be both a donor and polling requirement. This is totally feckless and will not go anywhere because several candidates, including Donald Trump, have said they don't agree to it. So they're going to not do it. Or it'll be something so watered down that everybody will be able to sign it and do whatever they want. And finally, Fox News is expected to host the first Republican primary debate on the week of July 15th, a year to the date before the Republican National Convention in Milwaukee. This is going to be earlier than 2016 when the first Republican debate was in August, but later than the one before that, which happened in May. So they are going to split the difference here and do one in July. Hot debate summer sizzling. Coming your way. Ken not wait. A reminder that if you want more content, you can get it at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 level gets you two bonus episodes each and every week. That is three bucks a week for two bonus episodes, four episodes total out of my mouth. And now, back to the show. Codal Trips, Codal Trips, Codal Trips, Codal Trips, Codal Trips, Codal Trips. You are a senator, you're on a Codal Trip. Ain't nothing is happening in the Senate for the next week because it's Codal season, baby. Dozens of senators. And members of both parties are traveling for the next few days. Many of them went to the Munich Security Conference, including delegations led by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Vice President Kamala Harris spearheaded a contingent of administration officials that included Secretary of State A. Blinken. From there, this is all according to Punchbowl, by the way, Schumer's Kotal headed to India, where the group has met with Indian Prime Minister Neandra Modi. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing. There's an ascendancy of old Chucky Schumer here because Chuck Schumer has been a China hawk, at least as much of a China hawk as, as anybody can be in the Democratic Party for a pretty long time. And China 
You know, I know it's hard for America to focus on anything outside of its own borders. We're, we're pretty fascinated with ourselves, but there are some rumblings between China and India on their border. So getting closer to India means continuing to draw lines between the United States and China. But aside from the symbolism here, a lot of this is just doing the legwork on American military hegemony. Biden spoke to Modi last week and made an announcement that Air India would purchase 220 Boeing-made aircraft, a deal worth $34 billion. The Indian government is also looking to buy billions of dollars worth of new fighter aircraft, U.S. F-16s and F-18s. This is a replacement of Russia being a longtime supplier of military equipment to India. But with the war in Ukraine, our rebalancing of global alliances, that means that America and the military industrial complex gets to wet its beak. Meanwhile, we've got some moves being made by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Shout out to 03 Greedo getting out. McConnell is leading a group of Republicans to the United Arab Emirates this week. The senators are going to meet with the president of that nation, Mohammed bin Saeed Al Nahan. The McConnell delegation includes freshman senators Katie Britt, Pete Ricketts, Ted Budd, and Mark Wayne Mullen, among others. Obviously, the United States and our relationship with the United Arab Emirates, similar to Saudi Arabia, is, you know, a relationship based on security and money. We want friends in the region. We want people who know what is going on. We specifically want people who like to buy things from us and also hate Iran. That's that's the big thing. You want to be our buddy in the Middle East? Very easy. Give us your bank crowding information and let's talk some smack about Tehran, right? Let's talk. Oh, they stink, right? We don't like them. Not at all. Republican leaders have defended these relationships. And by the way, Democratic leaders have criticized them, but then they eventually have to walk it back. And part of the reason is, is that especially when it comes to Saudi Arabia, we kind of need them. You found that out over the summer when we were in a gas pinch and all of a sudden the Saudis decided that OPEC was going to cut production. That was something that the Biden administration and specifically former chief of staff Ron Klain was pretty annoyed about because nobody watched gas prices as closely as that guy. So if we're going to understand that there are not a ton of perfect partnerships in the Middle East, then you have to look at our relationship with the United Arab Emirates and the Saudi Arabias of the world in context, again, with Iran. Because Iran has been aiding Russia. Oh, here's the reason why the Democrats can be mad at them. So here's something fascinating that's going to play out over the next few weeks. Obviously, the Democratic Party is at odds with itself when it comes to Israel. The Obama-Biden State Department which I believe is extraordinarily powerful in this administration, they have been critical, probably the most critical State Department over the last 20 years. More critical than Clinton, way more critical than W, 
and obviously more critical than Trump, which was probably the most outwardly favorable to Israel. But Schumer is somebody that always represents the more Israeli friendly side of the Democratic Party. And creating and publicizing that link between Tehran and Moscow is going to be part of trying to bring the Democratic Party as a whole closer to Israel and trying to bring Israel closer to the Ukrainian war. Because Israel has not been as forward with their support for Ukraine as some of their other Western allies. So, wither Joe Biden in all of this. He's more of an old school, but he's still the president and he is trying to manage the coalition within his party. So he's going to leave a lot of this heavy lifting to Schumer. And with Schumer in Israel during these Kotal trips, he is going to do his best to try to bring Netanyahu closer to public support for Ukraine so it might bridge that gap. Oh, also the Ukraine thing. So let's get into that. Biden goes to Ukraine and it's a big event. Obviously, this is something that does not happen lightly. The president of the United States went into an active war zone, something that you could hear, according to press reports, uh, air raid sirens going off in the back. And whether or not you believe that Biden would have ever done this unless there was absolute assurances that he was safe, you know, a move across the country is a move across the country is a move across the country. It was the first time that the American president since George W. Bush had been to Ukraine. And we have already seen at least some consequences to that. Russian President Vladimir Putin announced on Tuesday that his country would suspend its participation in the New START, the last remaining nuclear arms accord that it has with the United States of America. And so, amidst the Biden speech in Warsaw, amidst the trip to Kiev, amidst all of the Kotal trips, we still have a tricky situation in Ukraine. And the larger question that I think is going to really define amongst all the bluster and the question of America first and how much money are we spending to Ukraine and blah, 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 is going to be this. And, and it might be the defining question of the Biden administration. How does this end? How humiliated does Russia need to be? How many exit ramps can we offer? And will Vladimir Putin take any of them? Like it or not, if we are going to continue to increase how much we are going to prop up Ukraine's military with our own money and weapons, then we're responsible in part for this. It doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon, but I do think it is going to be something that will weigh heavier on Joe Biden's shoulders the longer that it does extend. We're past the year. And past the year means that people are thinking less about the fact that it started and more about how it might resolve. 
And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, politics, politics. Written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you'd like to email us, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Correct something that I said on the show, for example. Tell me that I'm stupid or smart or some combination of the two. On Twitter, it is at px3tweets for the show and at Justin R. Young for me. Find me live on the internet, px3live.com. You can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. Of course, this program is, you know, small operation. You know, me and, and sometimes Brett, our editor. And so if you want to support us with a one-time donation, you can do so by the following channels. PayPal.me slash PayJury. Venmo is Justin-Young-20. Cash app is PX3Cash. And you can send anything that you would like to me in the mail. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, that is Post Office Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. The only place that you can get our bonus content, however, and that is two bonus podcasts each and every week at the $3 level is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, two bonus podcasts, three bucks a week. I think it's a pretty good deal. But it's only at the $10 tier that you get your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic $10 tier. Dustin, Jason, Andres, C. Garcia, El Basso, John, Matt, Craig, Potts, MC Radio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield, Pinball Shop, DP4, Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslanian, Blue Front and the Lanina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Molly's dashing debut, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted, Jimmy Montana. Sorry, Utah Jimmy Montana. Jeez, come on. The Jen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really? Chopper, Andrew and Joshua. If you'd like your name read here on the program, one place to do it, takepoliticsseriously.com. On Friday's edition of the show, we are going to take a look back at a uh, man who may or may not be with us by the time that that episode airs. Uh, He is the oldest living president. He is currently with his family in Georgia in hospice uh, at his home. That is, of course, the one, the only Jimmy Carter, the man who brought power to the people the first true beneficiary of the, the, the system that we now have as a, a primary. You know, in 1960, JFK kind of got the ball rolling, proved the idea of winning multiple primaries was a better way than just going and gambling at the convention. Jimmy Carter, after the reforms that eventually came, was the first person came out of nowhere to make it happen. So we're going to take a look back at that campaign. We're going to listen to some old ads. We're going to break it down. We're going to see what we can learn about that campaign when it comes to our modern world. 
Hopefully you guys dig it. You guys know I love getting into the history on this stuff. So, yeah, that's it. Till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but yes, this is the only show that dares discuss Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio. Codal trips, codal trips. <laughs>